Hello and welcome to the Center for Victory podcast of your best day yet. Here at Center for Victory, we're here to help unlock, reinforce, and enrich relationships through personal and professional development. My name is Zachary Turk. I'm an executive consultant here at the Center for Victory. We have Eric Guy back for part three of the discretionary effort, mm-hmm. where we're going to be talking about how to maximize your employees' engagement. Right. So let's go ahead and let's uh, first start with this question, yep. like we do every single time. What is discretionary effort? Discretionary effort, bottom line, difference between want to and have to. Your have to people come to work and just fulfill the minimal requirements. They don't do quite enough to get fired, but they just kind of skate by. That's most of the workforce in, in most companies. About 80%, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the want to is, man, I can't wait to get to work. They get out of bed in the morning and say, that is my purpose. I'm going there. They're not working for a check. And again, it's not that we're saying people work for free. We need to eat. But they don't think of it first and foremost. They think of the work first and then the reward after. Uh, they care about what their customers think. So these are also could also be your, you know, your great brand managers. This is who you want to put out in front of your customers. Typically... Uh, most companies don't want to put in front of their customers the have tos because they're just going to do the bare minimum. Yeah. The 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 want tos are going to go out, provide the customer with a great experience, whatever that is, whether it's on the phone, whether it's in person, whether it's in the office. They're going to go above and beyond for that customer, and they're your great brand managers as well. Um, they know that time is money, mm-hmm. so they don't they don't screw around and they work more efficiently. But ultimately, they go above and beyond. They go that extra mile in all that they do. So if you leave them alone, uh, they still do. They still put in that that work. You don't have to monitor them all the time. But the thing that that I want to reinforce here is uh, it doesn't happen by chance. I mean, people. A lot of people say, "Well, it just happens by chance." Some people are just wired with enough grit and stomach to go after and do it. But you can actually develop it, and that's what we're talking about, develop it inside your company so that it doesn't happen by chance that you ha- you actually are developing what we more of what we call rock stars, right? Rock stars in a company. There's A players that go above and beyond, just putting in the effort constantly, you know, not complaining, bringing solutions, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, the, and to get discretionary effort within your workforce, there's really four areas that we're going to be looking at. Mm. First is right person, right role. That's Patrick Lencioni. Uh, the second one is is manager. Yep. Is the managing uh, manager managing them properly, meeting their needs. The mm-hmm. third one is team dynamics, and the fourth one is culture. Correct. So, what is the value of role design within a company? Value of role design within a company. Um, you know, if, if if people are listening to this or watching this, if you've ever worked in a in a place where you just didn't fit, like. Like for us, that would be putting us like in the CFO position. I mean, <laughs> I can do it, but I mean, I'm going to bring the company down. I just It just doesn't hold my attention. It doesn't get me going, right? Where other people, man, are just so good at the numbers and the decimal points and whatever. They can yeah. sit behind that desk all day and yeah. just crunch. Right, and they, they just do so well with it. Um, the value of role design is putting the right person in the right role. And how we do that is we use behavioral and cognitive and all kind of other analytics, but mostly the behavioral piece to design the role. What are the behavioral requirements mm-hmm. of the role? What are the cognitive requirements of the role? And then get people that match that. And uh, people will say, well, you know, well, you can't just do that. Or I can, 
I can intuitively guess that. I love when people say, well, I can intuitively guess that. And I'm like, well, why did you call me then when you're, when you just told me that your turnover is like at 90%? (laughs) Like, you don't know how to intuitively do it. And and quite frankly, I don't, right? And I thought I did. Yeah. I thought I got people, like I was a people person. Oh, I understand this person. I understand how they're wired. And then I, until I started to use the predictive index, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I knew nothing about people. Yeah. And I think the other pitfall of that is just, we're so biased that we like, you know, kind of like people like we are. But I, I found out a long time ago that my biggest bias, um, I don't think it's a bad trait, but my biggest bias is I like people. So I start talking <laughs> myself into, yeah, you know, they can fit. Yeah. And they're a little quirky. I mean, they came in with, with uh, alcohol in their breath, but we can get over yeah. that, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. But, it, you know, that role design, people putting the right person in the right role, you can't smash a, a round peg in a square hole. You can, but it creates a lot of damage and you have to, you just have to be on that person all the time. Um, but you just can't do it. And why would you do that to somebody? Like, and, and as a person being in a role, why would I want to go in a role knowing that I'm not a right fit for it? You know, like I wouldn't put myself behind a desk all day long doing one thing. I would love to be able to pay attention that long. Right. But there's, there's not, there's not a psychotropic man in the world that's going to get me to that place. But there are some people that just can do it and do it consistently. And I just look at them in awe. You know, it was kind of like, uh, you know, if you go till we take a trip back to, to to grade school to middle school to high school you know the ones that could sit still and pay attention were the ones that were applauded mm-hmm. but after I got out of high school I realized the ones that couldn't sit still and were making things happen <laughs> a lot of the ones that I talked to were <laughs> that are running company um, and then uh, you know so it's not always a good thing and not that and I, sh- and I should say it's not that all of them like that yeah. are running companies and not all people that can pay attention and, and really get into the details, can't run companies, they can, and we know some great CEOs like that, I'm just kind of over uh, overstating it here, but you know, think about the damage that we're doing to people when we don't take time to figure out what the requirements of the role are, mm-hmm. and then align people, right, yep. you know, and give them clarity about that role, the, yeah, that's just the best thing we can do for it, because if we don't understand the role, you might see the role one way, I see the role one way, mm-hmm. and then the person is kind of totally confused, especially if there's one or two other people that see the, the role completely different. Yeah. They're getting completely different messages from everybody. Once we're aligned in that and what that role is and what we expect out of that role, then we can give objective feedback to that person yep. about what they're supposed to be doing. So we have before we even look at who we want to bring on or who we want to hire for mm-hmm. that role, we needed to take an objective standpoint and get the, the buy-in of three to five people that know that position very well. Mm-hmm. And then say, okay, let's, let's reconcile. Let's talk about what behaviorally and cognitively do we think uh, that position needs to be in order for them to succeed. Because a lot of companies that we see is they, they bring somebody in and they're already setting them up for failure because you're asking somebody to be tactical when they need to be strategic. You're asking somebody to be proactive when they're really responsive. You're asking somebody to be in a sales role to, to be quick to connect when there really takes time to connect. Yeah. So we get the right person in the right role, then how do we manage them properly? What is the manager, what is the importance of that manager 
once they're in the right manager role. is crucial we don't do a lot of training with managers especially nowadays the companies that are investing in their people especially their management their supervisors their executive leadership they're seeing uh, the, be the huge benefits from that and that's where people are going that's where people want they want to be somewhere where they're led correctly but the importance of manager is this uh, is to understand you can you can be in the right role but if you have a garbage manager that person's going to turn over yeah. I mean people don't quit their job they quit their boss and the biggest one of the the biggest uh, detriments to companies is managers who only want to manage one way and don't don't invest in their people don't take time to to adapt to their people to give people what they need and that's the crucial piece and uh, I know we mentioned a little bit in our last podcast but to reinforce it in this one um, is that platinum rule treat people the way they need to be treated for maximum productivity and efficiency right when I get what I need not what I want what I need mm -hmm. people need certain things and when I get those needs met, just like anywhere else, I produce. And that comes from the manager. That comes from the person directly above that person. And you just get all that discretionary effort when people are just poured into. When you're making you know, emotional deposits into their bank account and they're getting what they need and they don't turn over. You know, right? And it makes the manager's job a lot easier. And this is, I think, would be alarming for a lot of companies hearing this, this stat is by 2020, 50% of the workforce will be millennials. Yeah. Which tells me that they're going to have influence within the company, that they're going to have leadership positions maybe they're not developed to have. So that's why it's so important to get that right person in the right role, but also to have that management training or that leadership training, with, especially within this young workforce, because they have no experience. And I know for myself being in that position before mm -hmm. I treated everybody the way I think I needed to be treated, not the way they needed to be treated. And that was a huge going from the, the golden rule to the platinum rule. That was huge for me because now I see people not in one color, but I see, okay, this, I have a whole group of people here that I need to manage them differently. Absolutely. So, so talk to me a little bit about the importance of culture within a company. Well, culture and team are, are really important. And, you know, a lot of research is being done that, you know, there are a lot of, there's a lot of turnover just because of culture inside the organization. And what, you know, what I want to emphasize with people here is you have to have a people strategy. Many, many companies have a business strategy. They know what they want at the end of the year, but they don't take the time to look at who do we need? What jobs do we need? How are we going to hire? How are we going to coach? How are we going to manage performance? How are we going to inspire people? Mm -hmm. And is there a process in place to continue to diagnose that from quarter to quarter, from year to year? And if you say, if you're a company and, and you know, you're an owner, whatever you are, and you say that people are your biggest asset, start acting like it. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, I say that with a lot of emphasis because people will say, yeah, yeah, they just give it lip service. Yeah, people are important. Well, if people were important, you wouldn't have, you know, 100% turnover. <laughs> you know, take time to get to know people. And, and maybe you don't get to that 0% turnover, but we've got, we've got some companies that are really close to it, that are beating their industry average in their, in their sectors, in their industries. But if people are your biggest asset, act like it. Remember, and you, you kind of noted this a little bit, Zach, 
Um, easiest relationships will typically happen to people that are wired like us. Mm -hmm. I mean, they aren't hard. They can be difficult sometimes, but those are usually who we attach to because we see things certain ways or, you know, we're both social or we're both formal, whatever it is. Those, those can be the easiest relationships that you have, people that are like you. That's not always the most productive relationship. Yeah. I mean, you inside if you want to create a thriving culture, you have to embrace differences, and you you alluded to that earlier. You know, when we embrace those differences, we create that complementariness inside. But what happens is that makes our weaknesses irrelevant. Yeah. And I can rely on somebody else, and and it's funny because we see this a lot. Somebody that's wired like you or I complaining about a person who asks questions all the time. You know, they always want to get in the weeds. They always want to do this. They're always asking questions. Well, maybe that's the right question to be asking. Mm -hmm. uh, instead of letting that person irritate us, uh, let's be mindful that we probably irritate them too yeah. because we don't provide the details. We don't do you know, those kinds of things. But if we come together and understand and objectively look at the analytics and say, okay, well, we're just wired different. That creates huge complementariness instead of com uh, unconscious competitiveness. And that really makes our weaknesses irrelevant. Um, but what happens, it allows, you know, we always say it allows us to turn right more than turn left. Mm -hmm. When you turn right, you're in your wheelhouse. You're doing things that come natural to you. When you're doing things that come natural to you, and you're creating that kind of culture that just creates more discretionary effort mm -hmm. because now it's the team that's doing more that's yeah. purposeful that that's more productive that's going above and beyond that's given that cares what the customer thinks that knows that time is money and that just creates more of that type of culture but once those people are like that and you have that team like that they tend to bring people in and so your, yeah. your recruiting efforts aren't quite as, as difficult because they're bringing people in that are like them too. Yeah. And I know we talk a lot about this and we really don't bring up kind of what we do mm -hmm. as a company sometimes. And I think for people who are listening to this, like this is our sweet spot. Mm -hmm. Like we just got a new new tool within our tool belt mm -hmm. with the predictive index. We're certified partners where we can actually talk take a look at you mentioned you have a business strategy, you have business results. We specialize in that people strategy. How do we get the right person in the right role? How do we manage them? How do we keep them engaged? How do we develop them as leaders? Mm -hmm. And we actually have that new tool called the, the business strategy assessment mm -hmm. where we can take a look at, okay, what are, what are the things we need to work on this quarter in order to get to our business results? Yeah. And then do we have the right people wired the right way in order to achieve those goals? Absolutely. And I think it's, it, this is evolu it's revolutionary. Like this new assessment is going to change the game when it comes to talent optimization. And I want to leave you guys with this action step. Okay. Is don't, is this, you attract who you are, not what you want. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be a company that has a great culture, if you want to be a manager that has a great manager, if you want to be in the right right, right seat within that role in that, in that company, you attract who you are, mm -hmm. not what you want. So if you really want to take those next steps and you want to create a great culture, you attract who you are not what you want. You need to start creating a great culture. You need to start developing your managers. You need to start being, becoming the leader that you want because we can give lip service, like you said, all yeah. day, but 
these millennials that are coming into this workplace, they smell it from a mile away. They smell your BS from a mile away saying, hey, people are our highest priority. No, I smell it because I see 40% of the people that are on glass doors saying this is a horrible culture. So you attract who you are, not what you want. So take that to the bank Good. if you want. Good. But Good I want to finish. Good action step. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> that's it for today. Thank you so much for watching. Make sure to leave a, a like or a comment in the, in the section below. We'd also appreciate if you hit the subscribe button as well as the bell icon to get notified when the posts uh, come up next. If you would love to learn more about what we do here at the Center for Victory, just go to thecenterforvictory.com. Mm-hmm. And remember, wherever you're at, Whatever you're doing, make this your best day yet. See ya.